Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of John Talks. I know it's been a while, but of course, I go with the old reliables, Ted Trendacosta, Uberman of Steel, and Joe Brown. Joe, I still can't pronounce your Twitter handle, and you can teach me all you want, but Semin- I still... Seminon. Okay. All right. I'll definitely forget that. But we've got a loaded docket here today. We're going to try and make up for all the time lost. Uh, do some recapping on the baseball season so far of 2021. Uh, my team and Ted's team doing pretty well. Joe Brown, oof. What do you Little, mean pretty uh, well? The Dodgers are in third place. Uh, well, you know. Can they score more than two runs? Can we borrow a couple of runs? Just saying, I wanted to be nice. My team just continues to dominate while your two teams are the refl- having the, a little trouble. Dude, the Mets are the uh, is the real-life adaptation of the movie The Replacements. <laughs> they are. <laughs> it is insane. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the no-hitters uh, and the barrage of no-hitters. I think Ted and I are going to be on the opposite sides of this. And then, of course, a draft later. Favorite video game characters of all time. This time we're expanding the draft a little bit. It'll obviously be us three but we'll have five picks each and the order has been determined already. So we're on a different we, side of the no hitters thing. I, I think excited. so. And I'm you know, interested. when we texted the group text, you said that the only thing you want to talk about is the pirates play with Javier yeah. Baez. Which is and the funniest the thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So the floor is yours. Pick one. And then uh, oh, let's start with the uh, pirates thing, because that's, is that the most embarrassing play you've ever seen? Yes. It, yes. Right? It is the most embarrassing. And, and, and I automatically think of Luis Castillo dropping the pop-up because that's my favorite play in baseball history. But that's just a physical error. Luis Castillo knew that if he catches the ball, the game's over. Yeah. The Pirates clearly did not know that if you get the last out on a force, the inning's over. The Cubs could have had 10 guys touch home plate. Yeah. If you get yeah. the force out at home, it's over. So, yeah, that was the most embarrassing. Not to imagine, not to mention that they threw the ball and kicked it all around the infield as well. It's like I, there, there are people that are attempting. They're attempting to like defend the you know the brain soup that was Alan Craig. He well, what? A, hey, it doesn't not, matter what is. I'm I don't gonna, think he wants to be named. Hey, you know what? I'll, hey, I'll gladly call him like you know dog food if he does, as long as it's not his real name. But they're like, well, if you know, if they tried to tag, you know whoever scored and then got the force out, then the fourth out rule would have uh, went into effect and the run wouldn't have scored. Guy, if he had just touched first base at the start of everything, the run still wouldn't have scored. He's so definitely not thinking about the fourth out. Rule. Yeah. No, yeah. It, he the fourth he out, had to tag. Javi. Yeah, it is. He was not thinking about that. His brain literally said, Oh, I see him in front of me and going backwards is something my adult human body can't do. <laughs> I just, I watched that and I, I, my first reaction was, this is the funniest thing I'll ever watch in baseball ever. And then I watched it again and I listened to it with the Pirates radio and I changed my opinion to, this is the most embarrassing I've ever, embarrassment yeah. I've ever felt watching the sport of baseball. I didn't hear the Pirates radio. It had to, they... to the Pirates too, right? It could it's, be like a perennially good team that did it. it was yeah, like, it's it's of, of course it's the bad team. Like, I think, remember that, oh, the Pirates play was just like, what, like when they don't get the like tag, they kind of like, oh, I, the run scores, whatever. And then when it gets thrown away, you can just hear the ugh come out of whoever's calling it because it's just like, how do you let that happen? 
Like the only other play that comes close is that Astros play back when they're really bad. It was like that. I don't remember the exact game, but it's the bunt and like three guys come in, they collide, two of them collide and they kind of throw the ball around. The only thing I think of didn't, um, didn't Chuck Knobloch have a play where he was like arguing with the ref while the play was still going on the umpire like yeah but i think that was just a brain fart like he that just was, wanted yeah. oh, he wanted to categorize this as a brain but fart, he, well, he wanted he wanted it to first. be called correctly however yeah. the call was like this is just a player fielding no interaction with any third party right. and him his brain exiting his body yeah because knoblock at least said hey if we get the out here you know like the innings over or what I forgot exactly what the situation was. I think it was a, it was a throw to first that got by him and it was because he, someone was in the running lane or something, right? Something of that effect. And so he got mad that that wasn't called properly, which is Knobloch knew the rule. Like clearly Craig did not know the rule. It was, he saw bias in front of him and said, it's easier for me to run forward than it is for me to go backwards. I also had no idea that the runner could run backwards running the first base. I've never seen that before because I assumed that you could only like get into a pickle like back and forth, forward and backwards after you reach first base successfully. I had never seen someone run backwards before. And all of my baseball rules come from my years of playing baseball video games. And you can't run backwards to first base in the show. So I was like, oh, isn't Javi just conceding first here anyway because he's running backwards? Like, how do you get into a pickle when you haven't even reached a base yet? That doesn't make sense to me either. See, I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I thought Javi was doing. I thought he was going to give himself up. But then he was like, well, wait a minute. Let me try and see if I could get this runner to score. That's exactly what I thought it was because I was like, oh, well, he's out anyway because you can't run backwards if you haven't reached a base yet. But apparently you're just allowed to. Uh, I mean, sure it needs a patch. They need to allow you to uh, run backwards now. Yeah, I, I just like I just don't understand the thought. Like I can see the wheels turning for Javi because like even when he like makes the safe call when his the his teammates safe right, it's that's yeah. it's at that moment his brain goes, oh, I still have to touch first base right. for that run to count. So then he you know sprints to first and you have the uh, him winding up at second. It's even more hilarious that those two runs mattered. In the game, too. it was the best. It was literally like, the best because they won by one run. It was they won by two runs. No, they won but, by uh, one because I, I was I edited that game. Oh, so I thought won, it was like five, I thought it was five three. three. Okay, they won okay. four to three that game. Oh, so, so a little look behind the curtain. So for all of you that have watched it on the MLB at bat app and well, no, Holland did the, the world. best version of it. I just did the regular top play, but Holland did like a really really well edited version. So give him the credit, not me. Well, I'll have you know, I watched it on the app. Like when there it first go. happened. So for you then. Well, I yeah. watched it on Twitter because that's where I get all my information. Did it have like a, on Twitter, did it have like, you know, three second dissolves and like cut audio in the middle of words or anything? Uh, it didn't have any, there were no cuts yeah. in it at all. It was the f- play in full. Yeah. Which you really don't have to juice it up. Like yeah. the play head to tail tells the entire story. There's no need to set up yeah, a I brain fart. Need, I didn't any, realize else. at the moment how big of a deal it was going to be on social media and stuff because I just saw it as another like annoying play to cut that was like yeah, a, yeah, weird, yeah. a weird thing. Like I wasn't thinking big picture, and then I saw like Corey Hurst, uh, you know, like tweeted about it, and Ted and Perez, you both tweeted about it too, and then 
I saw like a lot of people. I was like, oh wow, this is actually picking up a lot more steam than I anticipated. I thought it was just going to be a, a dumb baseball blunder, but it was like the whole sports Twitter world was all because that play. It's it's because of how fundamentally bizarre and yeah. wrong it is. Like if it had been on like second base, right? Like in a pickle between first and second. Right. No one's batting an eyelash to that at right. all. No one's thinking about it. Now, like even if the throw gets away, you go, that happens, right? That we've seen that happen before. So it's nothing. But the fact that it's between first and home with a force out and two outs is ludicrous, like just an insane thing to have ever have happened. And that's the thing. The whole baseball Twitterverse knew the rule. Yeah. Like yeah. that's that's what it comes down to. Another play that is one of my favorite plays is uh and you could search this on on youtube but it was the expos at the giants and barry bonds is at the plate with runners on first and second and i don't know if it was one out or no outs but he pops it up in the infield and the infield fly roll is called ball drops so there's a runner on third now after it drops and he gets hung up between third and home well they just throw it to third base thinking they get the force out and he steps on home plate and Frank Robinson comes out because the three players, the first baseman, the pitcher and the catcher are all arguing with the home plate umpire. And Robinson says, learn the rule. He's safe. And just goes right back out. And it's <laughs> funny because based on the camera angle, you think that Robinson's going to unload on this umpire <laughs> and the umpire watched him ream out his players and go right back to the dugout, I which I mean, he's right they in that situation him. too. Yeah. So that was crazy. Well, now but... he would get fired if you ever, uh, you know, criticize a player ever for any decision they make. You just get kicked out. So, pretty much, um, yeah. It doesn't matter what your stature in baseball history is. Um, yeah. So we got that, and then the other big thing for this season has been the seven no hitters, six plus one. If you want to count Bumgarner, uh, yeah, I'm going to count it because I'm not. Too. I'm not. Six plus the one reason, is okay. Description. Well, hold on. Like, okay, Emma. The seven-inning games are an MLB-created thing. If this was yeah. a game that got rained out after seven innings, then you, you you throw the asterisk on it. But the D-backs and the Braves knew that they were playing seven innings that day. What did you want? The, the D-backs not to score for two more innings? No, but the, the point I, – I forget when this happened. There was a bunch of you know people posting about it and saying that in whatever year they did distinguish – I think it was like 91 or something like that – they had changed the definition of a no-hitter to be 27 outs without a, a hit allowed. And it knocked off a bunch of no-hitters off of the history books. This did happen. I forget. But, like, those games weren't mandated seven innings. No. Okay, but hold on. But what I'm saying is there is an official statement of the statistic. Like, it's not from MLB because, like, it's not an MLB thing, like 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 how baseball writers came up with the quality start, not MLB did. You know what I mean? So like whatever the official ruling is on a no hitter has been legislated that it is twenty seven outs. So regardless of if Rob Manfred's cockamamie seven inning rules are here or not, Mad Mub did not get twenty seven outs that day. So it's unfortunate, obviously, because he probably could, he probably could have and would have got the 27 but he only got the 21 so it's not technically under that definition a no hitter but that's not his fault or like the rules fault like he can't get 27 outs it's impossible in that situation right 
So it's still a no hitter because it is a full mandated. But game it's not because the definition of a no hitter, which got rid of a bunch of no hitters before that, that are no longer counted as no hitters, is twenty seven outs. See, so, this is just something where you and I are going to have to agree to disagree because I'm yeah. with the rule said that it was seven innings that this game it, was it going is, to be seven innings. It, it needs to be amended. Yeah, yeah it, it needs to be amended. Baseball or somebody, the writers, I don't know who is whose jurisdiction it, it falls under, but they need to come out after the season and say, okay, no hits across a seven-inning game that is it's, scheduled it's as be, a seven-inning game it, needs to be a no-hitter. It has to be whatever the definition of a full game is. Like, right, but then – when you have a rain out at five and one, two, one, that's not, but that's not, but that's not a no hitter. That's not a no hitter. But he didn't give up a hit. So you're, what I'm saying is if you change the rule for mad bum, then you're going to have to continually keep. No, because, because the game ended on literally not a baseball reason. And it wasn't like an act of God, big quotations on that ended the game. Whereas the seven inning game was going to end at seven innings. But mad bum did not do what the 350 whatever no hitters there are in MLB history did. He did we understand that, the but same the statistics. So you can't put him in that category. But the, the issue is that in all of those other games, those teams and those pitchers knew ahead of time, they had to pitch nine innings because a full baseball game was nine innings back then. But that doesn't change anything because the intent is to always pitch the full game anyway. Obviously, you don't. Yeah, and the full there. game but, was seven innings. That but yeah. that's what I'm saying. If it's nine innings or seven innings, that doesn't change it. The pitcher's intent is still to pitch every out. That like it's irrelevant that it was seven innings compared to nine. Yeah, and he still got every out. But he judge didn't get twenty seven. But those teams knew those teams knew ahead of time that they were going to play two seven inning games. That just like just I, like back I, I in the day, all those change anything. They are. They knew beforehand that there were only 21 outs. That doesn't mean that he still only got 21 outs when the statistic says you have to get 27. I think we're just going like, to have to agree. Are we going to count Maddox's in seven inning games? It's like, oh, well, this guy got a Maddox. Yeah, well, it was only seven games. It's not the same thing as having under 100 pitches in nine innings. No, because a Maddox isn't an official, like, it's but a it's but a playful it, it stat. A, but it's like a it's a made up thing. But it's like a recorded thing at this point. Like you can you can look back and see when people achieve a Maddox. But you have to do that in nine innings. Like Maddox did those in nine innings. Yes, and you have to get a no hitter in nine innings. No, but it's or far easier. It's far easier to throw less than a hundred pitches in seven innings. Yeah, that. But that's what I'm saying is if you're gonna change, if you're gonna say a, a seven inning double header has the same statistical value and awards to pitchers as a regular nine inning game, then you're going to be messing with a whole bunch of statistics. But it's what statistics though. The only thing that's changing is one stat because the stats count the same for everyone else, except the no hitters in a seven inning game. Right. I'm, I just gave you an example of a Maddox, which is a statistical thing that they do keep track of if it happens. I think you're going down a slippery slope does if you go that seventh, way. Does every seven-inning complete game in a doubleheader with 73 pitches count as a Maddox? No, because no. they have to be nine innings. Right. Like a no-hitter has to be nine innings no. at minimum. No, because the thing that you keep missing is that it was already preordained that it was going to be a seven-inning game. And in the Maddox, it was preordained that it was going to be seven innings that day. That yes, because they didn't anything. have COVID and they didn't have 14-inning doubleheaders back then. No, I'm talking about 
this you keep bringing up that they know it's going to be seven innings. Yes, if a pitcher, if I don't know, let's uh, let's say Garrett Cole, just on my mind, throws seven innings, eighty-three. Judge, here's where I'm at. I'm on Baseball Reference, and Maddox is nowhere on Baseball Reference, so I don't know how this is a recorded stat. It is a playful thing people say. I mean, I've definitely seen on broadcasts they mention people who have. Yeah, but it's yeah, but it's not a real recorded thing. It's a fun thing people like to bring up. We're just going to disagree that. I don't know what else to say. What Mad Bum did, did, which was impressive, and he probably gets it anyway if he throws two more innings, is not the same achievement that those 300 and some odd other pitchers uh, achieved in their nine-inning game. This is where I think baseball, or like I said, somebody who is in charge of the statistics needs to step in after the season, award it to Mad Bum, and then ahead of time say if it is a preordained seven-inning game and the starting pitcher does not allow a hit in those seven innings, it is a no-hitter. Because then we have too many of this stuff. The like they I'm did, sorry? They, the, who was it? Like when it happened, there was the official statement saying that a seven inning no hitter doesn't count so like they did make and a then statement they, on it it's just they, yeah and then they then they said open. they're gonna look into it a seven inning no hitter is like in a seven inning games and double headers in minor leagues are no hitters yeah and now so baseball how- which is baseball which is the ultimate sport where records matter and numbers matter and history matters like this is my, and I love baseball. It is, in my opinion, the best sport ever. The problem is it doesn't evolve at the rate of these other sports. So I'm not saying that Madison Bumgarner had a more impressive no-hitter than, say, Clayton Kershaw or Justin Verlander or even Mike Fires. But what I'm saying is that it should be recognized as a no-hitter. And, and you can put the asterisk there. It was only seven innings. And that's fine. And that's fine. But he needs to at least have that notch on his belt when he eventually goes to Cooperstown as he also threw a no hitter. I don't I mean, I don't know where else we can go on this. We, we just disagree on the, you know, I, I adamantly believe, you know, with what their statement that they said that he did not achieve what the other no hitter, the same statement in which they were going to consider lifting it and changing it. Okay. And they haven't done it yet, Ted. So I don't know what you want from me. But at, the, at this moment, and regardless of that, of what happens in six years, when they come out and say if they think he threw a no-hitter no hitter or not, in my opinion, he did not achieve what the other no-hitters achieved, so it is not the same statistic. He didn't company com- company guy over here. No hits. Yeah. Company guy. Big bootlicker Joe yeah. Brown. Him and, yeah, him. He, Definitely. <laughs> before he came on, he got a call. He said, hey, Bob, how you doing? Yeah, Joe, hey, when you go on John Talks, they're going to want to talk about the no-hitters. Okay. Yeah, well, that's, so that's one segment of it. And, Ted, I think, was that your biggest complaint with the no-hitters or was it the uh, amount of no-hitters that you had an issue with? I didn't have an issue with the no-hitters. A lot of people do. Okay. I don't. I do not. I don't either. Yeah. It's a fun thing to keep track of. I Like, whatever, the balls change. I'm interested in seeing if they can throw, you know – two more no-hitters to get eight no-hitters if you're counting nine-inning ones. Like, that's where I'm at. I'm, like, just tracking the history of it, you know? I'm more, far more interested in that than, oh, man, look how many no-hitters there are. I mean, someone ran the numbers. I think it was uh, 
Zimbabwe of Fangraphs. I'm butchering the name. He ran the numbers. Contact's generally the same. It's not up or down. It's the same as it's been in 2020 and 2019. It's just not going over the fence. It's just not going over the fence. Yeah. Right, which is fine. And listen, how many no-hitters have been out there that have been pitched by somebody like Wade Miley? But, yeah, you know, I mean. I don't get people's frustration. They're like, oh, look at these randos that are throwing no-hitters. I'm like, if you look at history – it's like mainly randos. That Homer throw, Bailey it happens all, all all over the place. Like it's not always Kershaw and yeah. you know like Verlander. Max Scherzer every time. It's literally randos who are fifth men on the roster or on the starting rotation. Like remember Edison Volquez, the no no. Yeah, the, like right. he he wasn't some superstar at that point in hey, his career. Homer Bailey has two no hitters right. in his career. Like even Don Larson in the world series, wasn't a star pitcher. Like he just was pitching that day and won the, won yeah. the world series with the, you know, like that's, that's like, that is the history. And that's the novelty yeah. and the excitement of it is literally any rando can throw a no hitter. And it's always exciting. It's like, you could argue even more exciting. If some, like I didn't expect Corey Kluber to throw a no hitter. Yeah. Like, I didn't expect him to more exciting. Obviously, yeah, 100%. did it, but like the fact that it was Kluber who's 35 and like coming off injury and like you know you didn't think he would do it and he did it in 101 pitches that made it more exciting. Yeah, and Carlos Rodon was non-tendered before right. re-signing with the White Sox. Like the like before the Corey Kluber one, like in my opinion, the probably best pitcher who had thrown a no-hitter at that point was Joe Musgrove. Because he had been, you know, very good with the Pirates and he's been even better this year. So it wasn't a surprise to me, but also he threw it against the Rangers and the Rangers are, let's face it, not a great team. Listen, this weekend, the Rangers and Mariners played each other and I was very upset because there were no no hitters on either side. Yeah, I am. I was like, it's got to break at some point, right? I want another team. I want another team to get a no hitter because I'm so get no hit. Because I am very into what happens first. We have three, uh, four teams that have been no hit twice, or one team that has been no hit three times. Yeah. And there's a very I, good chance that we could have both of that happen this yeah, year. Yeah, but I'm just interested in what's going to happen first because both are unlikely to ha- like have happened. But this season is moving. No, you, there's a good chance a no hitter could happen at any night. You know what else would not surprise me? If there are no no hitters the rest of the way, oh, hundred, yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah, that too. Because because what happens is if That'd you have eight no hitters spread out across six months, it's oh wow, you know, look at this. But the fact that there were what there were a two fact, in two days, there and, was a uh, there was a point where there was a no hitter every they, like it had like there after eight weeks of baseball there had been eight no hitter like a no hitter right. per week. Right. Listen, if there's anybody that deserved a no hitter, it was Pedro Martinez with the Red Sox and that didn't happen. It just shows the randomness of it. Yeah. I love the randomness of it. It is a tough feat. It is very tough to pitch in the major leagues. I don't want to discredit these yeah. guys, even though they know hit the Rangers, they know hit Cleveland, they know hit the Mariners um, who with the at one point were hitting below the Mendoza line as a team. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's that. Um, all right. Before we get into this draft, Joe Brown, tough weekend in Motown. What oh. what is the state of the New York Yankees, <laughs> and when when will you be the next manager Give us of the, the Bombers? Report, please. Hey, yes. you know I just got to dust off the old calculator and you know learn how to say yes sir in five different tones, and then I could be the next manager because I'll just I'll just do what they say because that's all that matters. So just you know, uh, it was so funny that like Joe Girardi was Binder Joe and like he like. 
they got rid of him because he didn't want to listen sometimes. Like, and so he was the guy that just went with the numbers, and then now, now the manager literally just goes with what they'd say, and he's not Binder Boone or anything. Um, yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty embarrassing effort in Detroit, especially because you swept the Yankees swept them when the Tigers came to Yankee Stadium a couple weeks ago. Um, and you know, people say, "Oh, wow, the Tigers are so bad; those Yankee wins don't mean anything." And it's like, well, now do like what do the losses mean if the wins meant nothing? You know what I mean? Um, so I think now because they just lost again, the Yankees. Um, I think Breaking the stat news. is is eight. I could be wrong. I think it is eight of their last thirteen games or nine of their last thirteen games they've scored two runs or less, which is like pretty ridiculous if you think about it because they have some victories in that stretch of time it's not like they're one in 12 in those 13 games so they're winning they have won close games um and even the ones that they got more than two runs it was like the walk-off uh infield single from glaber and then the walk-off walk from judge was one of those wins with more than two runs so it's not like they're you know one of those was with the triple play right what did you win that game with the triple play yeah, yeah, the triple play and then the uh, the hit by by Torres. Yeah, that was crazy. That was exciting. Uh, I think Torres had all the RBIs that game, um, or he had three of the four, but I can't remember. Uh, so clearly, this team is constructed in a way that it they don't care if you hit consistently; they want the hits to matter when you actually make contact. And right now, those hits are not mattering. Like even if, because I think. Cashman would probably take it if all these players were batting 170 but had like 11 home runs he'd probably take it but right now they're batting 170 with one home run and they're batting 200 with runners in scoring position and all of these issues so I don't I don't know if there is a fundamental or I don't know if there's fundamentally a change you could make in a roster decision like a trade acquisition that would alter the issue here which is fundamentally you have players who don't know how to hit consistently, except for like obviously Mayhew and Judge and Urshela at this point, really. But everyone, like half the rot, it's literally a minor league roster at this point. You have Gardner batting under 200, Frazier's under 200, Hicks is hurt, and even when he was playing, he was hurt. Uh, so I, you obviously you can't trade for five players at, the, <laughs> at this point. And they're so adamant about not going over the luxury tax this year that they're not even it seems like they're not even interested in trading acquiring talent because it would put them over. I think they're at 205 and the luxury tax is 210. I could have the number off, but uh, so I think that's just the most frustrating thing is like Yankee fans saw in the spring that this team was going to have issues. And they're basically told like, shut up the statistics, no better. And here we are now in June, essentially two months into the season showing that this team has issues and then like this the response is like ah, it'll work out don't worry about it it's like when are we when are Yankees fans allowed to be frustrated that they saw these issues that the people getting paid to see these issues did not and you would have thought the issues would have been with the rotation right and the rotation's been fine and they just haven't hit and it's just amazing what has happened to Gary Sanchez like it, uh, it's <laughs> it's it's fascinating and I, listen I understand there's maybe one or two really good catchers in baseball now. Well, Smith, maybe. Right, exactly. Um, like Rio it was, Muto. No, I so mean, before like coming into the season, it's good. what? And, and in no particular order. It was Sanchez, Rio Muto, Contreras. Posey. I, didn't even, I don't even think Contreras is that great. Right. But, that, but, but you see the drop-off. But that's how it's always been. That's how it's right. been for 
maybe the last seven seasons. Yeah, 100%. that's how it's been. I think up into, it, like well, before Posey it, really got hurt was what like the last time we had right. multiple good catchers. What makes it hurt it. more is like there isn't, I guess a a appreciation for for Yankee catchers because of the history. You know what I mean? Like it's been the one staple position. Any also anyone in our generation, like you had Jorge the whole time. And then now, like Sanchez started off as the next Yankee catcher, so he was joining Elson Howard and Yogi Berra, and just every all of the you know famous Yankee catchers throughout history. So there's like a lineage to that position on the Yankees, and so I think what makes it hurt so much is to see the rise and fall in real time of Sanchez's numbers because you're not looking back 30 years from now and seeing this like hot start player that fell off. You're witnessing it live and you can't do anything to do to stop it. Yeah. No. And, and like, that's the thing. You can't go out and trade for a catcher. You can't. Right. Who are you going to get? Just, the right. hardest position to like replace for. Right. One, 100%. The um, thing I saw, which I want to take your, or get your guys take on it is I saw that people are saying the Yankees should trade for Joey Gallo because he's a left-handed hitter who can actually hit home runs. And even if he's batting 170, the rest of the team is batting 170 anyway. So you might as well get a couple of cheap home runs in right field out of Joey Gallo compared to like Clint Frazier or Brett Gardner. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Like sure. Judge Stanton and Gallo three, four, five would have, you know, eight strikeouts every night between their 12 at bats. But like those non strikeouts could be solo home runs and maybe you win the game, you know, three to one in, instead because you hit some home runs. I don't understand how you just don't load up on left handed hitters that can hit for power. Like, I don't know, get how the Yankees well, Cash did it. said that you don't need, you don't need to be lefty to hit home runs in Yankee Sam because yeah. you, can just, you can just hit the other way. Cause that's, yeah, but like, that's a pace baseball. So if I was the Yankees, give you meatballs to hit the other way. If I was the Yankees, I would have just signed Jock Peterson. Like, just have him out and like you know, or Schwarber, right? They yeah, or Schwarber, like Senator Torres. Yeah, I am. Like, I am shocked and appalled that the Yankees didn't offer Albert Pujols because that there's just a big power right-handed bat, and <laughs> like that is right in Cashman's wheelhouse. He's yeah. like, oh, a right-handed bat with pop. Let's like sign him, Edwin Encarnacion. Right, let's just get these guys, Vernon Wells. Let's just get these guys in here. Um, um, literally every time I see Bryce Harper hit a home run. For the Phillies, as he's rounding the bases, I'm like, he should be in a Yankee uniform right now. No, that's me. Whenever I see AJ Pollock hobble around the field with a busted hamstring, he's like, could have been a- that. Could have been Bryce Harper, man. Yeah. I mean, Meanwhile, Cash Giancarlo Stanton is striking out of the slider in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. For the fifteenth That was the moment when they traded for Stanton. Everyone was like, oh wow, we have you know the MVP. This is going to be great. And I love Stanton. Like I've been his one of his biggest fans. Like I haven't been hating on him for striking out or whatever mm-hmm. these last couple of years. But the moment he got traded, I was like, oh, they did this so they don't sign Harper. Because Cashman wanted to like show that he doesn't need Harper to win because Harper wanted to be a Yankee. So every home run he hits in Philly, that could have been a short porch home run in, in the Bronx. <laughs> and it's like nearly identical ballparks too. Literally, <laughs> like, like he's not hitting these home runs uh, in, in, in San Francisco, really? right? Yeah, yeah. Safe anymore, but. Um, the one, the one saving grace for the Dodgers is they got Mookie Betts. So, you know, like they, uh, yeah, I mean, like it's the, the Dodgers have been very inconsistent with their offense. The pitch, their starters have been fantastic, including your favorite Trevor Bauer, including my favorite Trevor Bauer, who I love to hate and hate to love. However, you want to go with it. Like the rotation has been fantastic. Uh, the back end bullpen has been equally as good. 
the depth guys have been unwatchable. Uh, man, I wish Rustar Greaterall would come back. And boy, you know, like as much as I clown on AJ Pollock, boy, I kind of just miss him off the bench <laughs> instead of seeing like a DJ Peters or Sheldon Noisy or like a Yoshi uh, Sitsuga, like guys who like just swing through, uh, you know, pitches down the dick and swing right through them. I'm like, man, I was happy when Bellinger came off the deal. I was like, maybe they'd be a little more watchable now. Ted, Who I was just the Dodgers that. bat boy that was playing in the exhibition games? Chico? Chico. He, he caught uh, Pujols' uh, home run the other night, too. <laughs> Ted, I need to ask, who is in charge of the Dodgers, like, laundry and clothing department? Because these these skin-tight, like, pants these are out of control. Are out of control. I cannot stand it. <laughs> it is so uncomfortable to watch. I'm all for it. I'm all about unbelievably it. Unbelievably tight baseball pants. I'm all about it. Walker Buehler comes on with those tight pants and Gavin, Gavin Lux. I'm like, hell yeah, guys. Let's get it. It is very I don't uncomfortable. Care. I don't care if baseball becomes a thirst trap. Let's get it. <laughs> I mean, and what a perfect market for that to happen, right? Yeah. Like, um, like I know, I remember when we did the... Uh, when we did the World Series preview, we clowned on the reporter for asking Walker Buehler about his pants. I remember that. I'm like, I was thinking back to that. I was like, why do I like it? Like, what's the difference between when that happened and what's happening now? And I guess really is the stage at which it happened. Like, why are you asking a dude about, you know, his pants during, uh, you know, an LCS game two loss or whatever? when you should be asking him about what happened and how, how the game get out of hand or whatever. Like if it was like a regular start in like, you know, July, if, you know, baseball were normal last year, I wouldn't care. Let the guy ask about the pants. I don't care. I think what also changes too is the Dodgers ended up winning the world series. And I'd have to imagine Ted for the first time in your life, you're looking at this season a lot differently. I'm watching less than- baseball than ever. Right. But if like, the Dodgers lost last year, you're probably watching more baseball. Right? I'm probably watching. I'm probably watching the same amount I would have in a normal season. I I'm probably going to end up watching more Olympic baseball than MLB baseball this year. Okay. You're, I just you're feel like, like the one fan. You're like the the World Series had like the opposite effect on you than the Dodgers thought it would on their fans. Because usually when a team wins, a you want to watch. Yeah, it gets more fans. Like the Astros now I, actually have a fan I, base because they won. Yeah, I like, I feel like for Dodger fans, it was a weight lifted off their shoulder after eight years. You know, after eight years of like good teams going to the playoffs and just falling short. Like now that it's happened. Everything else is gravy, especially the, like, I can just casually care about the sport as a greater whole than, you know, ever before when, you know, I was like, even this was like outside of like, you know, working for MLB, I was like, still like cared more about what was happening with the Dodgers than whatever game I had been working on that day. But, you know, they won and I'm like, cool, whatever happens, happens. I'll, I'm only here to watch the really fun stuff that you know comes up duly noted well i hope that uh i can have those problems um in the future we'll see what happens all right let's hey, get when, to the draft uh, when, hey when lindor gets benched in game three of the nlds for no, uh guillermo <laughs> to have okay. guillermo start at shortstop or they trade for <laughs> They trade for Rosario to play shortstop because Lindor ain't cutting. <laughs> no, it's I gonna be to say great. That 
the Mets right now with all their injuries, obviously they obviously remind me of the 2019 Yankees, right? Where they had 30 players on the IL and still won 103 right. games or whatever. But the other thing it reminds you of, have you ever seen those videos on YouTube of like Luigi wins by doing absolutely nothing? Have you seen that style? Like he wins it out of the Mario Kart, a Mario party where like, or, or in Smash. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, where he's standing still, but all the other competitors die to bombs and things like that. And that's how the Mets feel to me right now. They feel like Luigi wins by doing absolutely nothing. Like, the rest of the NL East is just imploding with their bullpens or, oh, like, yeah. or you it's, know, arrests or things like that going It's on. been so, so perfect for the have, Mets. All, who have a double-A uh, offense right now are in the first first place in the NL East. I think that's that's very impressive. No, I, I think that it, it's hysterical too because I'm seeing all of these think pieces as Luis Rojas needs to be considered for NL Manager of the Year. And it's like <laughs> these people are not watching the games. <laughs> like you're not watching the games. Yeah, if, the like if I like think about it like this: if I were to say like, all right, Joe Ted, here's Team X, and they lost seven out of their nine opening day starters, but they lead the division by three and a half games, you you'd probably say, oh wow, that manager's really getting the most out of his players we need to consider him for manager of the year. But no, that's not the case. I can tell you every game where there's a move that goes against the analytics or just goes against common baseball. Like for instance, Marcus Stroman, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Marcus Stroman continuing to mow down. I forgot who he was pitching against last week and they pull him after six innings and like 80 pitches or 85 pitches. Cause they didn't want him to face the lineup third time through the order. And it's like, why? Why wouldn't you just have him go for it? Well, if you it had just a, didn't make sense. Be a problem. I'm sorry. Like, if you had a DH, because you wouldn't have to pinch hit for him. I so. guess, but it wasn't a, like the Mets were up. I think it was the doubleheader. It was a doubleheader, so seven innings. Oh yeah. He got through five or I think six, and I said, let him try and go the distance. Right. Why not? The, the Mets were leading in that game. They won one nothing. I think it was that game. Uh, but either way, let him keep going. So, you know. I changed my tune about university age. I used to be like, you know, tradition and strategy. I can't watch pitchers take at bats anymore. It's there. It's unwatchable. I can't, I can't do it. It's just something I can't sit down to be like, Oh, cool. I can't wait to watch, you know, a, a guy get intentionally walked for the fourth time in, you know, two games to, uh, you know, Get to the pitcher spot. I think you guys spot. are over dramatizing it. I think I'm going to die on the DH, no DHL. Like one league has a DH, That's the other fine. doesn't. Um, I think I think you're right. Like in the third inning, you know, yeah. when there's two outs and you walk, you know, the base open. Yeah, I get that. That's tough. But I think just in a game where strategy has just been taken away, whether it's from, you know, hitting over the shift whether it's bunting or not bunting. It's not like, like strategy I lo- changed. Like 2020, like you still saw insane amount of like pitching changes. To right. A, you know. But but what I'm saying is like, I like the three batter minimum. I think that's actually pretty cool. Like that it, that yeah. ended up helping baseball. But I think it is something to say when you have a pitch, like, okay, so for instance, we'll use the Mets in this example. Jacob deGrom is pitching well, mowing down the Braves, but the Mets are losing one nothing in the bottom of the eighth. And there's two outs and nobody on, and Degrom's spot comes up. Do you have to pinch hit for him there? Hey, I mean, like you know, like it could go either way, but it's a good, stra- you know, it's a good it, yeah. strategy aspect of it. 
Now, yeah. I probably keep him out on the mound because it's like, well, the offense hasn't been doing that's, anything. Yeah, that's what but I But now if the bases are loaded, yeah, you pinch it for him. But, you know, I don't like, know. With, that, with you know, you know, before when you would be complaining about the offense, you'd probably let the Grom go out to bat because yeah, he's probably double, as good as anyone else. DH right. would be in the Mets lineup right now as a 20-year-old. In, you know, well, in, so, uh, okay. So this is where this goes back to my whole Luis Rojas argument in that Dom Smith is a first baseman. Dom Smith is a first baseman, and they continue to trot him out in left field, especially since, like, James McCann is not hitting. But, no, let's put James McCann at first base and Tomas Nito, who continues to be Johnny Bench behind the plate every <laughs> at-bat. Like, it is just amazing. And then I forgot who the Mets were playing recently where they had to use the DH. They were playing an interleague game. And they had both McCann and Nito in the lineup. I was like, what is the point of this? Dom Smith should be the DH or Pete Alonso. Like those are one of the two guys because everyone has always said, Oh, if any team needs a DH, it's the Mets. Well, now that you have a DH, use one of those two guys. Like, you know, I always remembered when I was a kid, Piazza would always DH and Vance Wilson or Todd Pratt would be the catcher. And I totally understood that because they were better defenders. Like Tomas Nito has been a better catcher and he's been a better hitter than James McCann. Yet, because of his contract size, James right. McCann has to play every day. It's just, but you know, Luis Rojas should be NL manager of the year. But you know, it's it's, it's like what they said on that Sunday night game. You know, when the Phillies signed JT Real Muto, good job by the Mets to pivot to get James McCann, despite the yes. fact that James McCann signed, you know, two months before. <laughs> and he was Yasmani Grandal's backup catcher in, in Chicago. Yeah. Right. The four year deal, which by the way, gr- you know, all the Grandal's the most all interesting the baseball player of all yeah, time. Grandal has the lowest batting average in the league, but he also has like a, the, one of the highest on base percentages. Yeah, it's he's the most interesting is. player to me because it's like he can he can go o for o with four walks and a sack fly. That's yeah. hilarious to me. Yeah, that's in a hilarious stat line, no matter how you look at it. You know that Sunday night baseball game. What they should have said was, "It was amazing that the Phillies ended up signing." Uh, JT Real Muto after their owner came out and said, we lost $2 billion last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you would have thought the Phillies at their games would have collection boxes with yeah, the right. amount of money that they thought that they lost. Well, you know, it, and Philly fans would, you know, they'd be out there supporting it too. They'd be throwing right. five bucks into that, into that Salvation Army bucket with the, yeah. with the uh, Philly fanatic covering the Salvation Army logo. Like, just like they just, put a sticker right over it see i think the opposite i think they would have like thrown snowballs at him or whatever like they <laughs> i can't do a philly accent but it's like you're going to spend all this money on harper and like you're a billionaire and you're crying poor no thanks right. yeah and not your bullpen right exactly all right any final thoughts before we get to the draft yes i understand that the the whatever the managerial decisions and enjoyment you get out of having a DH and not having it. I like that there are two different leagues with quote unquote different rule sets. It makes it nice. So you can say, Oh, well this AL pitcher is better than this NL pitcher. Cause he has to face an actual hitter, you know, instead of the pitcher. I like the strategy of that, but we need to get eyeballs on the sport and we can also give people more jobs. So that way the same 15 DHs don't keep swapping around the 15 AL teams and you could put a DH in Colorado and see how that works and, you know, put it in all these other places that need it. So I think it would 
probably be cool and about time to give the National League a DH. You know what? I'm here to say get rid of the dehumidifiers in uh, baseball. Let me watch the balls go a thousand feet in Colorado. No, I if like the, I like that there's less offense. I'm not even lying. Like, Oh, no. I mean, yeah, that's fine. But it's like – I runs felt so unfair. How did I, Brett Gardner hit 28 home runs? Now he's batting 170. Like, I like that they deadened the baseball. Oh, I'm more like – I just want to see, like, like, uncontrolled baseball in Colorado. That's really what it, I just show yeah. me what real madness looks like. Like, like for the all-star game, rejuice the balls for the home run derby. Just no, game, yeah. don't, don't change the, like no dehumidifier. Like let, let them launch and also do the same thing for the all-star game. Who cares? It's for fun. Yeah. I want to see the balls go off the Rocky mountains. I like, that's what I, I want to see. I want to see them go a gajillion feet. Cause it'll be amazing. Oh, one last baseball gripe. Um, because you mentioned Colorado, Minnesota's in this category too. One, both of those stadiums should have had, they should have been domes. Number one, I don't like with that. That's number one. Number two, whoever's scheduling for the twins and the Rockies, why are all the home games not against divisional opponents that I will never understand in April. So what I'm saying is in April, the Rockies should only play the NOS because if they get a game that gets snowed out against the Dodgers, they play the Dodgers 19 more times or, you know, 17 times the rest of the year. It's easy to do that. Oh my God. It makes my skin crawl when I see a postponement and like the Red Sox have to go back to Minneapolis like on an off day in August. How does Minute Maid have a dome, but something in Minnesota not have a dome? I don't like, especially when their last stadium had a dome dome and was like, renowned for its dome like that was it's, one of yeah the features it makes, of the ballpark. It makes no sense to me and you know what i can and i understand that it's not my money and it is expensive to do so and uh, quite frankly baseball is just not profitable but um you got to have at least a retractable roof in Minneapolis yeah, and Denver. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Be- because I get that it gets hot in Denver and Minneapolis. That happens. It's the summer, but when it's April, October, dare I say, <laughs> you can't be well, you that, can't be postponing. That's it. the bet. Is if you save 250 million dollars not building a dome, that's the money you save because you're never making that money back because you never expect your team to be playing in October and early November in the World Series. So at, when the Twins built that in, what, like 2012 or something like that, Target Field, when they didn't put a dome on it, I was like, oh, well, they don't ever expect to play after September 29th. That's why they didn't build a dome. Which is funny because that's all that they've done. Like if right. you look at the Central, <laughs> the Twins have been – they haven't won a World Series, but yeah. they've been the most consistent team in terms of getting to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to point out that um, that like Colorado curse or whatever, or you're only good in Coors Field is uh, it's not working on Nolan Arenado. It no. turns out it turns out his his uh, glove is still good in regular climate. Yeah, well in uh, in St. Louis, and he's still like MVP candidate. Yeah, oh, so you're saying if you're insanely talented and you're like the best third baseman <laughs> in the thought? sport, it doesn't matter where you play. <laughs> Who'd have thought? That's Who'd so have weird. Thought? It's huh. everyone already hit Colorado. It just should have been a sign. Oh, of course, field doesn't count. But now, oh, now it's home runs in St. Louis. Actually, you know what? Now that you say that, I don't think Trevor Story's that good. Dude, did you know Arenado <laughs> has won the Gold Glove every year he's played? Yeah, isn't that insane? He's like, so good. That's like Brooks yeah. Robinson level of <laughs> ridiculous. He's oh, but so he's good. not a good. But yeah, but it's like oh, but his glove is good, but he's not a good hitter. Oh wait, no, that's not true either. That's he is a five-tool platinum player. Right. And here's here's the kicker. Here's my favorite part. 
and this is if I was a Rocky fan, I'd be so ticked off at this. They gave the Cardinals fifty million dollars. I know it's hey, they got Austin Gomber. It's all even. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it's Gomber. I call him Goomber. Goomber. Judge, Either can way. you imagine if the Yankees got into like a public dispute with Derek Jeter, and no. then like traded him, and then not only traded him to I don't know some team in the Midwest, and then gave like the Royals fifty million dollars. <laughs> the Royals. Derek yeah. Jeter on the Royals. Derek nice. Jeter on the Milwaukee Brewers right. getting paid $50 million. No, I could never expect that. Oh, my God. That's that's insane. Well, I can't wait till he opts out and then signs with the Mets in the offseason. But, well, you know, we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, who knew that an insanely talented baseball player is good wherever he goes? Who would have thought? Um, all right, let's get to this draft. We mentioned this at the top. The way it's going to work is we had a predetermined order, so it's going to be the judge, Ted, and myself. Five picks, best video game characters of all time. So what was the rule that we came up with? So, for instance, Tony Hawk is not eligible because he was Goku popular by because, another media. No, character. because he's a real human person. Right. And he is only, he is only in the game because uh, Neversoft needed someone to – uh you know help fund the game in right. any way well, you can't say like spider-man or batman yeah spider yeah i can't be like you like their video game i can't be like oh character. magneto from marvel versus capcom 2 that's like best <laughs> video game character when it's like magneto's magneto because of the comics right like i said my example was i love the witcher games witcher 3 is easily one of my favorite games of all time Geralt's not one of my choices because it was a book series and the, even though the games take place after the books are done, it, he is still a character from a book who is in a video game. Okay, understood. So with that, the first pick in round number one goes to the judge, Joe Brown. He's going to say, like, fucking Sora or some shit. There it is. Let's not even waste any time. Sora from oh. Kingdom Hearts, the greatest video game character of all time. I will fight anybody if you try to dispute that name a single character that has went on a more significant journey than Sora has throughout the entire Kingdom Hearts franchise. He has done it all. He has met every Disney character. He has fought, you know, through every potential threat in the universe. In his dreams, he has to fight people. In alternate universes, in 3D, he has to fight people. In he had to go into like the code of like a book and fight people from the game. He already fought them in Kingdom Hearts 1 with Recoded. He has been, has the most significant journey of any video game character in video game history. And with that, I rest my case. First overall draft pick, a very clear Sora from Kingdom Hearts. Ultimate friend zone character too. What? No. Wasn't he put like, wasn't he out there to, to save? He's there save to save the- his friends. And one of them happens to be a cute girl that he kind of likes. And she right. keeps getting kidnapped so they can't actually get together. But that's not his fault. Well, you know, if he really wanted to save her, you know. <laughs> just saying here. Oh, believe me. He, he goes through a lot of effort. And he doesn't just go after Kyrie. He saves all of his friends because all of his friends matter. And he needs to save all of the light and destroy the darkness. And Sora is the best. I'm with you. That is a strong first pick. Um, I don't think it's the best pick out there, but it is. I mean, he, he really is a badass character, um, you know, beating up uh, Heartless, right, with the big old key. A um, little confusing, but pretty cool. Uh, simple and clean. Uh, great theme yes. song. 
So you even know the name until like a couple of months ago, guy. Hey, that's all, it doesn't matter. He knows it now, and I appreciate it. <laughs> We've educated him. Yes. <laughs> and the music, yeah, obviously. That's another great aspect to it. But yeah, I don't know how else. I don't want to. I don't want to go on a ten-minute tangent about all of the story arcs that he's been on and how important they are to him and myself as well. Okay. So who's? I don't know who's up next. Ted's up next. Ted think. is up next. Uh, my first pick is a very simple one. Uh, Solid Snake from Middle Gear Solid. Ooh. Uh, he starts off as this kind of, like the, the the you know the narrative is very. I love, you know, the games as a whole of how they're narratively written because Kojima is a insane psychopath person who likes to just make movies into video games or, you know, attempt to make a movie video game as much as he can. But the arc that Solid Snake goes through of just being this like, you know, a clone of a dude who is just, you know, tasked to, you know, try to, you know, deal with whatever the big bad happens to be. And by four, he is he has aged considerably because he is a clone and can't can't maintain a form. So you have aged with him, and he becomes from like almost like a uncaring, emotionless dude to like I'm old, and now I've realized time matters, and it sucks that like I still have to do one more go around before that's it for me and kill my clone brother. Or combination of clone combination of clone brother and main guy you were cloned from four is kind of a mess but yeah that's my first pick four has some long cutscenes that was the whole thing four <laughs> that's what i said that's why I, that's why i said i know kojima likes to make I'm saying four he didn't have the technology on ps1 ps2 or yeah. whatever to make the cutscenes he wanted that he could put on mm-hmm. the ps3 I can't believe Michael Jordan is just going to fall right on my lap. Like, this is <laughs> don't you dare, don't you dare. This is amazing. He is uh, Ken, Ken Griffey Jr. from MLB The Show is just there at number. Yeah, Mike five. Tyson from Punch Out. <laughs> By the way, just throwing it out there. I know we can't choose Mike Tyson, but like he was the ultimate, ultimate video. Pablo Sanchez, if you want, though, right? No, no. From, uh, oh, no, no. I didn't even think of that. No, 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 no. Hey, no spoilers. No spoilers. I'm going with the face of Nintendo. It's Mario. How do you okay. not pick Mario number one overall? Um, the original Super Mario Bros. put Nintendo on the map. You know what's funny? When you look back at all the versions of the Mario franchise, they're all great games. I would argue that the worst Mario game is better than some run-of-the-mill game. Music's iconic. I think the best thing about Mario is he's like uh, a true Mario jack Hotel of all trades. Fucking sucks. <laughs> I'm sure you can find worse games out there, but he is a true jack of all trades, master of none. Like it would have been easy in Mario Kart to make Mario the best character out there, but no, he's just he's average at everything else, which I think is really good and really endearing. Um, it would have just been easier to make him the best uh, of the franchise, and he's not that. So I had top, you know, I have three top picks that I think could have gone number one overall, but I'm going with Mario because I oh, can't believe I, he failed to me. I just, I, I, ju- I just picked characters that are uh, more interesting. See, what I don't get is Mr. John Perez decided to slander my guy Sora, saying he's in the friend zone when literally Mario for 35 years has been friend zoned by Princess Peach and he comes after Sora? The disrespect is it's it's ridiculous here. You can't tell me 
I'd love to hear a better argument as to why Sora is a better character than Mario. Well, first of all, he like actually speaks. He actually yeah, has lines. So yeah, that's a lot how more character. I went with people that like spoke because they had more development as a character, I, and I cared about arcs. The hypocrisy of saying Sora was a was friend zoned and then choosing Mario as your, <laughs> first, your first pick. I just thought that was funny. I like I love Mario. Obviously, I've always been a huge Mario fan. I just thought that was funny. All right. All right. No, you're right with the friend zone thing too. I didn't think about that until I. Also, <laughs> we have speaking of Mario, we have Mario Golf coming out later this month in June. Are we are we all down? We're we gonna play. No, absolutely golf? not. No, it's fun. We could beat each other up on the track. <laughs> I have so many other things to play. Okay. All right, Joe. Here's your second pick. All right, my second overall pick in the top video game characters. John talks top video game characters all time is commander shepherd from the mass effect series so that's you, a good pick have you played mass effect for us or you i have not with it? um so you play as commander shepherd either boy or girl doesn't matter um and you go through the through the universe trying to unite all of the races of the galaxy together to to beat sovereign and you know all the um all the evil invading aliens that are they come every 50,000 years to wipe out all of existence. And what, what are the odds? It just so happens to have been 50,000 years since the last time. So Commander Shepard is a human who had only, within the last couple hundred years, they only had just found contact with alien life forms. And he's the first human to become a, 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 was it Spectre? I think it was Spectre. I can't remember. Whatever the title was, it was like the first, it was a gigantic moment in human history. And he or she has to now go on this journey, uniting all of these races of, of, you know, from different planets and galaxies and stuff together to fight, to fight off the ultimate evil of extinction. And those three games, I know the ending sucked, but those three games, personally, Mass Effect 2 is one of my top five favorite games of all time, but that trilogy as a whole has some of the best writing, the best narratives, the world building, the interactions, like the, the way that the story changes depending on your answers and the decisions that you make and who you bring in your party and whatnot and you know i like on that that quote-unquote hero's journey that i i like so much because sora goes on the hero's journey commander shepherd's on the hero's journey i would say commander shepherd is probably one of the most well-written characters ever in a video game and the best part is you are commander shepherd so it's like Every person Shepard is different. Did I punch this guy, but then Ted decided to try to talk it out peacefully with this guy. You know what I mean? So every person's story is different with Shepard, but in the end, it still ends up in the same place. And I like, you know, I can't speak highly enough about, you know, Bioware and, and that team. And I, I think to this day, the suicide mission ending, like the climax of Mass Effect 2 is probably one of the greatest sequences and lead ups to a finale of a video game I've, I've ever played. So Commander Shepard, my second pick. We're just... I've got no retort. Yeah. I, just, no, no, I, have, nothing, yeah. I have nothing to say. My account, right, did you play Mass Effect? Or? No, I, I never had any interest in playing Mass Effect. Okay. But I knew, I know that like, I, I understand that it's a good pick because I know those first two games, I've, I've heard nothing but great things about those first two games. And the remasters up. I don't have time to, to play it right now. But yeah, I'm kind of interested in playing the remaster, but I have other things I need to play through first still. Yeah. Uh for my second pick, now that I picked a name brand guy people, now I can kind of get weird with it. 
Uh, my second pick, I have to go with, uh, you know, this might be a little close to home because he's a lawyer, but I got to go with my guy, Phoenix Wright. Whoa. The ace uh, attorney himself? The, the, the ace attorney himself. Uh, Phoenix Wright is a lawyer. He's a defendant, and he goes up again, who's, who only became a lawyer because he just, he wants to, like, prove people are innocent because as a kid, he was falsely accused of stealing someone's lunch money. But a kid's, but a child defendant who later became the antagonist in the first game uh, said, uh, you can't prove that he did it without any evidence. So if you can provide, like, he really just proved, like, saved him. And he was inspired to, like, I just want to help people be, you know, get who are in trouble. And you, you know, spans, I think his story specifically spans like three games, three, four games. And you go through, he's a not a great lawyer. I'll say it outright. He's not great. He calls a parrot to the stand, calls a bird, calls a whale to a testify in court. He's not smart, but he's willing to try to do whatever it takes in line with, you know, morality and the law to prove someone's innocent. Whereas, you know, there are other people in the series who will falsify testimonies and you have to pick through that, pick through those to find out where their lie is to get to the real truth. Or you'll go up against prosecutors that'll make up, you know, evidence or falsify evidence to uh, get their way because they believe justice at any cost. Also, if you're a prosecutor, you're a piece of shit, but I'm biased. Well, growing up in the, in the, in a law household. Yeah. What, what are, uh, what, what is judge brains thought on, uh, on, on Phoenix, Phoenix right? right. Uh, he doesn't even know what Phoenix right. He doesn't even know what a video game is. What would he do if Phoenix Wright walked into his courtroom? Uh, I think called, he, I, and called I a whale he, up to the stand. Hey, if my dad <laughs> thought it'd be within every three seconds, if my dad thought it was a re- in reasonable doubt, he'd probably let it happen. But my dad doesn't do uh, court cases anymore. What if okay. you walked up to your dad and said, yeah. and you slammed your desk and you say, Almost Christmas isn't Christmas from the first game. <laughs> Remember the first crime happened on yeah. Christmas Eve? And so yeah, the, there was uh, what, with the time, which was what made the character innocent, but I was um, the uh, what was what was used to kill the um the person was a, a clock, right. but it was a, a thinker statue. So the only way you knew what it was a clock is if you it would save the time. And so the only way you right. would know it was clock if you heard the time. And when the dude used it, it went off. So that's how he knew. That's how he thought what time it was when we left. Right. I, I just love that meme on Christmas Eve every year. I always expect <laughs> it. Almost Christmas. Christmas isn't Christmas. isn't Christmas, yeah. That's a good one. That's another game I haven't played. And I always they're, feel like I'm the ham and cheese to... Well, they're very simple games. So like, they're very it's simple like games. It's not a mechanical... Right. Game, you know? You just they're they're a fun storytelling game. It's they're, they're a visual novel, but there are things to do, which... I like it more than like typical visual novel type games. Right, right. Okay. All right. Well, for my second pick, uh, I thought that he would have gone already. Like I said, another top pick. I'm going with Master Chief. I have to. Oh, I have to. And for all the reasons that Judge Joe Brown will talk about in a moment, um, here's a lukewarm take. I think the Halo trilogy is the best franchise in Xbox history. Uh, oh, yeah. Storyline. Yeah. Yeah. From storyline to online play, I used to love the RB and the Chief on uh, oh, yeah, on yeah, YouTube, yeah, yeah. which is really funny. When I was in high school, I wanted to be Master Chief for Halloween. 
uh, and I saw the prices to like an authentic mask. And I said, well, that's never going to happen. Um, but it was still pretty cool. Yeah. I just remember staying up to like three, four in the morning with my high school friends every yeah. summer yep. doing rocket races, doing yeah. like uh, big team battles. Oh man. Loved it. And, and I still love, they're not memes like TikToks or videos now of high school guys in the bathroom all doing the, Oh, <laughs> that is still very funny. Did you see the one where it's the girls outside pushing open the door? Yeah. They hear it and just start laughing at them. Yeah. It's great. No, it, yeah. it, it's absolutely great. Um, Master chief. Love it. Love the regular gameplay. The online play was revolutionary. Oh man, it, it just takes me back so much. So uh, man, yeah, I Master remember Chief having LAN parties in high school, connecting up two Xboxes, so we can have eight people go against each other, like in the same you know room as each other, so we could all talk shit. I remember doing like swords only battles on uh, Lookout, that blue level with the two like high like yeah. pillars on either side, and screaming at the top of our lungs every time we would go in for a kill uh the halo games are a lot of fun and very you know meaningful that they were so important in my like high school friend development there was one time where i was playing with my cousin and it was us two against these other two kids on online and we had no idea who they were but i heard you know you know how you could talk to the other yeah. team beforehand and we told them that um if they killed themselves 50 times they would get the sword for every online play for the rest of time. <laughs> so they jumped off and this has to be a record. Um, we won the game like minus 70 to like <laughs> two kills. Oh God. And it was great. Cause it was just, we would just like see them and then they would just jump right <laughs> off the cliff. Like it was, it was hysterical. So yeah. that I used to do like, like I was like um, Steve Irwin. I would talk about like how I'm hunting or like trying to look out for the dangerous creature and I would say it over voice comms. So whenever they died, they would hear me rambling like a lunatic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I very upset <clears throat> that I lost Master Chief because I've actually, it's like somewhat of a tangent on him, but- um, Let's a, hear it. A, few, a yeah. few months ago, there was like a, a discussion going around on Twitter about the Mount Rushmore of video game characters, which is obviously mm -hmm. similar to what we're doing here, right? Um, and- I don't have, to, don't have to go through the whole list, but I argued that Master Chief deserved to be on the Mount Rushmore because he is the most significant Western video game character ever created. And it's inarguable because you think of oh, no. Mario and Pikachu and Zelda and Link and, you know, Pac-Man and all those are all and Donkey Kong. Those are all Japanese created characters. Who was your second uh, pick, Josh? For, for this Commander Shepard. Okay, so yeah, that's the only, oh, yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I thought everyone's first two picks were all uh, Asian characters, but no, yeah. Shepard is not. I was just wanted to make sure. So I, you know, I think that is it's important through the hit commit or Master Chief is important through the history of video games, mm -hmm. not only for the online innovation that you talked about that Halo had and the like. I remember in high school we were all we all had Halo One on the computers like installed and like in the middle of classes we'd all play. The battles there in like what 2008 2009 something like that um but I, I think he's the most significant western video game character ever made and it's unfortunate how it's like kind of fallen with xbox stock the last decade or so but hopefully halo infinite um brings it back up there and 
uh, my one of my like crowning achievements in life as a kid, I think my brother had graduated eighth grade and we rented Halo 1 from Blockbuster like as a, you know, for the weekend because he graduated. So it was, this, it was summer, you know, so we were staying there or staying home. And I, if he was in eighth grade, he's like two and a half years older than me. So I don't know. I'm like 10 or 11, right? Uh, and I beat Halo 1 on hard by myself as like a 10 or 11 year old and like i still sweat thinking about how difficult that was for me like how intense i thought that was like the hardest thing ever so actually that fact that i was able to do it like that'll always stick with me as a uh as a memory and obviously he's so cool his voice too if you ever read the books i know there's too many of them now to like get caught up in and they're all over the place but the original first three books that were like associated with master chief you know um was it John 117 or whatever his name is? I yeah, forget. Yeah. Uh, those books are actually really interesting and have a lot of lore about the Halo universe. Like, uh, they, like, like, John it's everything before, it's everything before Halo, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's before the, before the games. Yeah. Um, so like in that world, they literally take child soldiers and so, like, let's say John was, like, a little 12-year-old boy in, I don't know, Oklahoma or something like that. Like, the the Halo, the U.S. government or whatever that makes it, they create, like, a exact clone of him and then, like, you know, take him up UFO style, like, take him away from his family and then send the clone of the kid back down to Earth to then be the child in the family. So and they do that with all of their soldiers, like when they ingrain them in when they're ten years old, like they just replace them with clones on Earth so that their families don't know that their actual kid got abducted and sent off to space to go fight aliens to save humanity. Like that, that whole universe is is wild. Yeah, it's it really is, and you're right, and that's one thing that I thought of too because I I was thinking like who are some of the best American made characters. You know, and obviously, and rightfully so, so much of the video game influence comes from the Far East, and mm-hmm. as it should. But you're right. Um, I couldn't think of a better American-made or Western-made character yeah. uh, than Master Chief. So, yeah, that'll conclude the second round. So, uh, number three pick for a Judge starts off the third round. <sighs> All right, I have to do it. I got to bring in the ringer. I was saving it for round five. Because he collects rings, I get it. My third over. No, it's not. It, it is not who you think it is. I'm saving him for later, just in case. You can take him if you want. No, he's not. I'm gonna go with Pikachu. It's got to be Pikachu. Has to make this list. The main character of the highest-grossing franchise in like human history in Pokemon. Obviously, Pokemon craze. We all know about it. We all know the impact it's had on me. Main character is kind of a stretch over the last, the last 25 years. I don't need to go too far into it but obviously pikachu is the most iconic character from the most successfully commercial uh commercially successful i should say franchise in the world in pokemon so i think it's it's gotta at least make the list and obviously like if you use because when we had that uh matt rushmore argument like you use like the does my mom know argument yeah because it'd be like does my mom know pac-man yes she knows mario she knows who pikachu is she might not know who like you know, Master Chief or uh, or Geralt from uh, <laughs> you know The Witcher. Yeah, oh yeah. My mo- everybody's mom knows who <laughs> Pikachu is, so it's it definitely yeah. got to make the list. So I think, in terms of that argument, you're right. 
But I think that it's because it's a kid's game or it was marketed towards children as opposed to you can't have six-year-olds playing Halo. You know, like you, right. you just can't have that happening. Um, having said that, though, I, I'd love to ask the two of you because I think this would be a good question because um, I was talking about it with my girlfriend last night. So who really is the face of Nintendo? Is it is it Mario? Is it Pikachu? Like it's got to be one and one A or one and two. So it's close, how, right? How I look at it is that Pikachu isn't a face of Nintendo right. because Nintendo didn't create Pikachu, if that right. makes sense. Like it's the face of Game Freak, but it is still a mascot of Nintendo. To me, the face of Nintendo is mario because they still use you know his color scheme for their directs right yeah and the other thing is the the pokemon company is a joint collaboration i think it's split into thirds evenly but i could be wrong between nintendo game freak and creatures inc which is the other yeah uh, i think you're right of game freak or make the pokemon obviously um so like the pokemon company is a portion of it is nintendo and obviously every it's only ever been on nintendo stuff whereas mario is nintendo it is Mm -hmm. fully nintendo's yeah okay yeah and that's kind of what my argument was too where pikachu is more pokemon than nintendo mario is nintendo yeah yeah that's yeah Either way, you can't go wrong with one of those. And two, it doesn't so. count because it's a movie, but the original Pokemon movie where Pikachu cries on Stone Ash and turns it back to life and everyone's happy in the end. is iconic, but we all, I, I cry thinking about it to this day. Yeah, no, 100%. And like Pikachu was, and Pokemon was the show of my childhood. Yeah. I mean, I could still listen to the original theme song and want to build it out. VHSs for like birthdays and then watching them with my friends who were over for my birthday, you know? Right. It was just, it just brings you back to like a pure, simple time. Um, I always thought Pikachu was very funny too, and just a really good mascot or a good representation of Pokemon because he's clearly not the best Pokemon out there. He's not the strongest. He's not the fastest. He's not the most powerful, but faster than Raichu. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, so, so that's a completely different argument because like, I don't understand how they made a Pichu after both Pikachu and Raichu. Like I didn't like that they made babies for already original Pokemon or they made lower stages, but that's a completely different argument. But yeah, he was just always the underdog and Ash was always the underdog. And I thought they really played well with played well off of one another. So yeah, that's a good pick judge. Uh, I like that. It took him off my board. So good I job. I did meme also today, like actually today of uh it was like one of those like comic panel style memes and it had like a 75 year old Ash Ketchum and he was at like a, a grand opening of a, of a mall with the mayor of, of, of Pallet Town and stuff. And he's like, you know, we're honoring our uh, Pallet Town's first, you know, world, you know, world champion and blah, blah, blah. We have Ash Ketchum here and we've decided to honor this new building in his name and it was Ketchum Mall. Like the mall was called Ketchum, so he just like got like crazy because he had to go catch them all. <laughs> did this, judge, did that Esquire magazine also have Ash Ketchum as the best as a yes, bet? Like, is is isn't that in? Okay, cool. I was just gonna say, is that ludicrous? And then they referenced that he's a video game character because he was in Pokemon Puzzle League in two thousand. So he yeah. So like, uh, Ash Ketchum is definitely an anime character. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Game. We're on the same page here. Yeah. I've got another character. Um that I want to save for later, but yeah, no, I'm with you. Like Ash is not a character. Yeah. Um, okay. Ted, 
third pick of the second round. I think Judge had been expecting someone from this game series to appear at some point. I have to pick, you know, what one of the most interesting characters from one of the most interesting game series. I'm picking for my third pick, Kazuma Kiryu from the Yakuza series. <laughs> okay. Which is, I like Kiryu because he is very, he like, like you can go hand in hand because no one's picking this character too with uh, Majima Goro, which is sort of like, Kiryu represents the, you play, in Yakuza, you play as a not Yakuza, an ex-Yakuza who has to, is thrown into situations where he then has to go back into his dark life, you know, of dealing with, you know, Yakuza problems. And uh, it it's a game series that almost essentially saved Sega's, like, you know, life because they were also a sinking ship at that time that came out after, uh, you know, the, uh, the Dreamcast and all that. And they were kind of struggling to think of new games and IPs to come out with. And a game about the Yakuza was a big no-no because the Yakuza are bad. Uh, but... What Kiryu does, he is the romanticized version of what it means to be like a Yakuza or in the Mafia with like, you have high honor for something, you are very like above the cut. You don't really, you know, get down to below a certain level of like killing for no reason or anything like that. Whereas Majima is the opposite of that. He is the dark underbelly of what it really means to be in a Mafia type organization. And what I really appreciate about Kiryu is whenever you are playing a game where in which you play as him, Kiryu isn't the main character. He's not the center of the story. He is just someone who happens to be in the situation and be a part of the development of the larger issues with the story as a whole. Also, he goes to a titty bars and uh, has to chat up women on a, <laughs> on a, on a chat room. Right? Yeah. Uh, I just think the games are very interesting. Uh, they uh, uh the uh you know an interesting character who very much wants the yakuza to be represented as better than what you know they are which is you know a mafia organization that you know does shitty things and he's more of the romanticized you know ideology of what it means to be in the yakuza so you played through all those games on your uh on your stream and uh, i was always just whenever i would turn in like it would just be like the most zany, I, like Japanese eccentric, like what I love action going on at all. The times. Uh, the the best part about those games is they do such a good job balancing just insane nonsense side stories with a very deep and serious story. They manage the line very well of kind of making the game enjoyable and also meaningful to play. Just another game that I never played. So sounds yeah, fun it's... though. Like, sounds, sounds like a good one. All right. I cannot believe I'm going to get my three top three picks. And this one is pretty simple. Okay. It's a rhetorical question, but gun to your head. Who is the greatest baseball player of all time? Some would say Babe Ruth. Some would say Mickey Mantle, Kate Griffey Jr. It's Pablo Sanchez. Obviously. <laughs> uh... I used to play backyard baseball all the time when I was a kid. I would always pick my favorite pros to round out the lineup. But who was my first pick? Pablo, Pablo Sanchez. Sanchez always Pablo. Obviously. Pablo, ultimate platinum five-tool player. He, hey, first, first two-way player ever. That's right. That's right. And if there was another way, he'd be the first three-way, four-way, yeah. five-way. Yep. But 
there's a fantastic article on the ringer about um, the creation of backyard baseball, which would then eventually turn into backyard sports. Mm -hmm. And what happened was Pablo Sanchez was supposed to be the secret weapon and they designed him because he's just this little fat pudgy kid. They wanted to make him like look like an underdog. So what would happen was um, no one would pick him because if you're just looking at the characters, you'd be like, oh, I'm not going to pick this short little runt. But Mm -hmm. The problem with backyard sports is when you clicked on them, it showed all of their attributes and Pablo was great in every category. And then how they ended up hurting themselves from Pablo's standpoint was that when they made backyard football, backyard basketball, like for instance, Pete Wheeler, Um, Pete Wheeler was fast. I love Pete Wheeler. But but because Pete Wheeler was so fast, he was going to be fast in backyard football. He'd be a great running back, a wide receiver. He'd be a great point guard. He would be so fast. He'd be so good. Uh, with Pablo, since he was a great thrower, a great hitter, a great runner, he was good in football. He was good in basketball. He was good in every single sport. Um, so it was amazing. It's on YouTube somewhere. Pablo does speak English. And so what happened was they, when, when they put the casting call out there for voice actors, they didn't have a Spanish voice actor. So they found someone who took Spanish in high school and then just repeated the phrases. And then there's something <laughs> in there. I have to link it. Uh, where Pablo actually speaks <laughs> speaks English and he says, don't tell anybody, but uh, I actually do speak English, but it's hysterical. <laughs> um, the walk-up music was always great. If I had an aluminum bat and Pablo was at the plate, that ball oh. was going 900 feet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are my top three picks. And uh, Pablo Sanchez. Man, that was Honestly, I wanted to pick number one. But No, oh, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought about it for like a second, but I was like, but what's the storyline? We don't know anything about him. We don't know his character arc, you know? It, uh, yeah, I didn't even think of Pablo at all. Like, I didn't even think to think of him because, like, I was just going for characters. I really enjoyed their storyline. Pablo Sanchez, I want to believe, and I'll li- and I want to believe, and I'll stay in this world that Pablo Sanchez now, like, if he was an adult, is basically what Bartolo Colon is doing to those poor Dominican kids <laughs> down in the DR, where he just shows up. He just looks like this little stocky guy. And then he's like throwing 95 miles an hour past these 16 year olds or hitting 400 foot bombs. Bartolo Colon has turned into the adult version of Pablo Sanchez and I'm all for it. <laughs> I think uh, I would say probably the biggest underdog story in the backyard sports characters would be the uh, wheelchair kid playing running back for me. That would be, that's pretty, that's a pretty uh, you know, underdog. You wouldn't think a kid in a wheelchair could be such a good running back for me, but. I will say this though, that game is aged the best because it was a very diverse cast. They obviously had the stars from each team, um, which is cool, each professional team, but just seeing, you know, the amount of girls and the amount of uh, kids of color and and all of that, it was very ahead of its time. Um, I forgot the name, but the main play-by-play announcer was a young um, young African-American girl who wanted to be a wannabe sportscaster. And then they had Vinny the Gooch, who was a wannabe Howard Cosell. <laughs> it, it was it was just all great. It was ahead of its time. It was great to see how inclusive it was. Um, yeah, I, I love that franchise. Uh, that's a solid pick, Ron. That's a sleeper pick. That's like a Tom Brady, you know, pick 199 level yeah. pick in Pablo Sanchez. All right, let's go to the fourth round. I think I'm going to have to do it, right? I think I have to. I mean, like, because I have some other choices here. And, like, I want, like, at first I wanted to do, like, a whole space theme, but then Perez stole Master Chief from me. 
So I was going to choose some other space-related characters, but like, I got to bring out the big guns and sit with my fourth pick. I got to take the blue blur, blur himself, Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't know how Sonic fell to the fourth slot. He's the fastest man alive. He eats chili dogs. He's got babes all day that all love him. He's the coolest guy. He's got day. one eye. He's, <laughs> shut up. You shut your mouth, okay? You shut your mouth. He's got the best anime ever in Sonic X, okay? I stand by that. One of the best anime I've ever watched when I was like eight years old. All, all his his games, for the most part, until recently, all slapped. They were all real fun games. He is probably, you know, especially with like the with the movie. Like, uh, remember Ted? I sent you that thing last week about who's the mo- who was the more yeah. the most popular character? Is it uh, Link or, or Sonic? And I think in a landslide, Sonic is a significantly more popular character. I like, guess an icon because half of people think yeah. that Link's name is Zelda. So, um, you know commercially and like recognizability and of course under the does my mom know who this is scale sonic she definitely knows who sonic the hedgehog is right um and i just feel like everything about him he's so cool even even if you take away the speed stuff of like playing through the games fast like him still being fast and being confident and like knowing how in control he is at that mock speed level and like being able to you know, throw throw clips at Eggman while he's running so fast and dodging everything. Like he just like exuded the coolest energy as a kid when you were watching. You know, Sonic has had like five TV shows like throughout the throughout the years. I remember a couple of the animate there were like three animated series when we were kids, but then he's had like Sonic Boom recently. There was another one and then now they're gonna have the Netflix show that they just announced um, yeah. last week. So I think any any list of video game characters that doesn't include Sonic is doing a, a disservice to the video game, you know, character history. The first enemy for Nintendo and Mario. Mm-hmm. Genesis does what <laughs> Nintendo don't, yeah. um, which was iconic as well. And yeah, Sonic was the first video game character that was cool, that was edgy, that was, you know, Mario was seen for little kids and like, you know, as a a rebellious teenager everyone flocked over to sonic so yeah i think that's i think that's really good um i love the gamecube game uh which was a lot of fun i didn't own it but my friend did and whenever we went over there it was always a lot of fun uh some good characters in the sonic franchise as well but if we're just a lot of really fun that bumblebee guy the alligator guy that purple dude with the horn uh team chaos right that was their name yeah yeah, but I mean, even cool. Knuckles, like Sil- Shadow, Silver also has one eye. Silver's a cool character. Silver has one eye. Shut up. Shadow also had some guns, which you know yeah, was right probably not appropriate for teenagers. Damn right he did. Somebody's <laughs> someone's gotta you know show people what's what. Amy has one eye. All the hedgehogs have one eye. Shut up. Why do you why do you wound me so deeply, Ted? What do you mean wound? You just met up. You just, just met him accurate. Awkward because he very cl- the the animation's very clearly intended for it to look like he has two eyes. There's just yeah. the, the gap that if you out of context look at it, it looks like it's one congruent eye, but it's it not- is. Oh my god, Judge! I will say this though: the recent Sonic movie, not not that good. But oh, it wasn't out of your mind. You it wasn't made for me. It, it was, was awesome. a pa- it was a good movie. But it set the bar. Like, let's just be honest. The bar was pretty low. 
yeah. yeah, I'm not saying it's like Godfather, but yeah, no, no, it's like it's a good movie. It was a very enjoyable. Film. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it was fine. It was. It was definitely better than Detective Pikachu. Whoa, whoa, slow your roll. But no, hold slow on. Let me cut right. you off right there, because Ted, this was Joe's argument when I told him I saw Detective Pikachu. He said Detective Pikachu was pretty good, like if you don't want a plot or any storyline. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I don't remember, but I <laughs> you that. said that exactly. You're like, if you were looking for a plot. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it was something. If you're like, yeah, if you if you actually try to think about it, it's awful. But if you just watch it, it's really fun. It's yeah, really good. Which I, I stand by. It was cool seeing the Pokemon come to life. Mm-hmm. That part was cool. But yeah, and then Ryan Reynolds, who's like 35 himself, turns out to be the father at the end. Spoiler alert! Like, yeah, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't make, it didn't make any like, sense. Twenty years old. I mean, like anyone could have called that from, uh, you know, from you know Baron Davis style from full court throwing the ball. Or, in, if, you, you or if you played the game. Yeah, I didn't play the game, but I could still, you know, call that one. You know, like a true savant. Yeah. No, I didn't play it either. All right, Ted, you're up. Uh, I'm going to pick a character from one of the games I picked for, you know, my favorite games. Uh, it's Cole Phelps, Detective Cole Phelps from L.A. Noir. He Because, like, I was debating, like, do I want to pick Alan Wake or Cole Phelps? And I went with Cole Phelps because I am more familiar with Los Angeles Noir more than I am with Alan Wake. And the reason why is Cole Phelps is a very deeply flawed character. He is he is so wounded by how he is viewed as this, you know, military hero in, during World War II and that he feels this such need to fit those expectations everyone has put on himself. So he tries very hard to get the job done properly. And what that ends up doing with all, he gets paired up with all these tech, like his partners, all except one for obvious reasons, if you played the game, turns he's the piece of shit. Uh, And they're all kind of like these jaded dudes who just kind of go about through the motions of, you know, doing their whatever specified job is traffic, murder, and arson. They're just kind of lifers in that department, never looking to get to the next step. And Cole betters those guys into wanting to actually put in the work and do a good job instead of just the easy way out. I would say L.A. War, that's because that's Rockstar too, right? Uh, no, they uh, they or published no, it. They published uh, it. They published it, but um, a different company uh, developed it. Okay, because I was gonna say like that's when I always think of. I remember actually playing that in what two thousand nine or something like that. Whenever it came out, like. That was a game that the whole world it felt like it felt like you were developing the world as you played through because it, it was L.A. literally developing at the time mm-hmm. and you know becoming bigger and all you know all of that. So like uh, developed by Team Bondi. Okay, was the real people put in the work and those characters and like they felt real. They looked like actors. Like I know the L.A. noir guy Cole was an actor in Mad Men, and yeah. the other characters had their face. Uh, captured and stuff so they felt like real people because they literally looked like real a people. lot of the characters were char- like famous character actors yeah. you could like pick out in shows so I, I i i respect your your pick i thought i was like he's either going to choose alan wake or la noir I, yeah. I felt it and i think you made the right choice yeah it's like i'll get it i'm doing video reviews for the games i picked you know in that podcast way back when 
Uh, I'm going to talk about more in depth whenever I get into these games. So I'll leave it what I have with there. Don't want to tip my hand. Yeah, I'm wondering what your last pick is because you can't you can't both choose the Tetris block and the taxi from Crazy Taxi. You only have one choice left. So what do you mean? I would if I were to pick someone from Crazy Taxi, it would have been BD Joe. <laughs> but I'm not. I think you should still pick the Tetris block. That's what I'm. I know. I'm, I'm. I have him lined up or her. I'm actually kind of coin flipping who my last pick's gonna be. Okay. All right. Perez, what you got? Okay. Well, I am gonna go to Rockstar. And I'm going to go to the greatest game of the Grand Theft Auto series. For me, it's Carl Johnson. I'm going with Carl Johnson of Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas, the main character. San Andreas itself was revolutionary for Grand Theft Auto. First game where you could swim. I think it was the first game where you can fly multiple vehicles. Um, You had the jetpack in there, the jetpack cheat code. Uh, Aliens? The Badlands? Like, it was just all over the map. I love... um, South Central LA in the 90s. Um, Ted, I'm sure your family has a different perspective on LA in the 90s. But for me, I always like those types of movies. I prefer that over like 80s Miami Vice. Yeah, I just love the storyline. I really do. And I think Carl Johnson was great because what you could do with him was you can work out or you cannot work out. And then your character gets like really bulk, bulky or he gets really fat. And then... <laughs> And then the other characters make fun of your character for you choosing one of those sides, which is really interesting. Um, If you just go down the list too, Samuel L. Jackson plays Officer Tenpenny in that game. Um, The voice cast is great. I know we're not talking about games itself, but I just love Carl Johnson. Hot coffee, just have to throw that in there. If you want to look up what that means, just look it up. Um, But yeah, so I'm going to go with Carl Johnson based on my favorite Grand Theft Auto game. That's respectable. I don't think that's the best one uh, in terms of Metacritic score, by the way. I looked it up when I was doing research for my Tony Hawk video. Wow. So what was so what was the better uh, one? Grand Theft Auto 3 is the most highly rated game on the PlayStation 2, tied with Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. That makes sense, though, because yeah. GTA 3 like, was revolutionary. And yeah, I'm just correcting your, yeah. Uh, correcting your statement of the uh, best game. But like, I think that is the most... Like it's either tied with Vice City as the most popular one, or like most like. Well, for GTA Five, probably. I mean, yeah, I, G- I mean, but that's GTA a whole 5 different. Is literally the highest grossing individual peeps of like. Yeah. Of, of a product ever on the planet. Yeah, but it's like I I feel like in the zeitgeist of people talking about you know Grand Theft Auto games, they're like the Vice City aesthetic is so nice and fun, and like San Andreas like is like for so many like reasons is a lot of fun. And I think it's a, the difference with Grand Theft Auto V where like they kind of had like a loose narrative to kind of piece three people together in a sense. The thing, uh, the thing I always think about whenever anyone talks about San Andreas is that's the first game I ever remember. I'm sure I've played other ones, but I was like, you know, 10 or whatever at the time. The first game I ever remember that you could walk into a barbershop and get a haircut and leave with more hair. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can leave with like an afro. You go in with the buzz cut. Yeah, and I always, I, that, for some reason, that's always the first thing I think of with San Andreas. It's not all the like awesome stories and you know fun characters. It's always like, man, you could get a haircut and end up with more hair. That's so crazy. Yeah, no, it was great. You could choose your wardrobe, which was really nice. Yeah, um, and the memes think. are good now. Like oh, yeah. there's still memes in that game to this day. 
And there is a YouTube channel out there that has somebody went into the files of the computer version of the game and played out the alternate endings. So mm-hmm. there's an alternate ending where you forgive Big Smoke and you don't kill him. And like, same thing with Ryder. And like, you go after Tenpenny instead. So it's all really interesting. So yeah, Carl Johnson. I had to do one of my favorite games and the main character in there. So Carl Johnson for me. Last pick for the judge. This is tough because it's like, do I go with my heart or am I trying to field the best roster? You know, like this fifth pick, this last round pick, you you gotta you want to try to get some value out of this pick. You know what I mean? Look, I'm just hey, look, man, I'm just here to pick people. I like I I at the end of the day, am I happy with my draft? And as of right now, I am. So I want to win. I don't want to be happy. I want to win. Yeah, I'm not here to win. I'm here to make my case for people to play more games. All right. I'm here to win then. So let's get into this. Obviously, you've seen some of the characters that picked before. I like I like heroic characters. I like the hero's journey. I like space. I like a lot of things like that. I like iconic characters with iconic moments. Something I like just as much as that is vengeance and spitefulness and hatred and sticking it to somebody because you hate them. And is there no better character that exemplifies those terrible qualities about myself than Kratos from God of War, who literally kills every person who's ever wronged him because he feels like it, because that's what he has to do. He goes and kills every, you know, Greek or every God. And like, uh, who was it? Um, uh, Game Grumps even made a song about how they were running out of gods for Kratos to kill. So they, they were like creating these like stupid gods of things for, for Kratos because he was just so vengeful of it. And like his his uh, his paint tattoos, whatever you want to call it on his face and body is like that's like an iconic look. The latest God of War from PS4 was a fantastic game. And I think the, the sequel is going to be great, too. So, you know, I think for my my ringer in this last round, I'm going to I'm going to throw a bone to uh, to Kratos because he exemplifies what I really appreciate in life. I'm with you for those reasons, too. I do like the um, I do like the vengeance aspect of it. And it, it's kind of cool to root for or, you know, you feel like you're helping Kratos in the game, yeah. like just repay all those so debts needless with a lot of an, an anti-heroes so journey but he's, like, he's just so mad you just gotta kill everybody i get it <laughs> i just want it i wish we still had the soundboard and i would have just clipped that you just want to <laughs> kill everyone i get it oh no no soundboard i don't know i think it makes sense he's like you see the face paint you see the white you know yep. I don't even know if it's ashes or whatever is on on his body, but like, that's a pretty iconic character. And I think maybe those first couple games were like the gameplay wise weren't as interesting because a lot of it was just you know slamming X and killing people. But especially with the latest God of War, like his characters developed a lot. Uh, you know, obviously with his his son now and, and different things. And I think Kratos is a, a pretty big deal in in gaming. It's a solid team, Joe. All right, Ted, round out your team. I don't know if I'm going to call an audible now. I'm reading the defense. I'm like, man, do I just go for fun? No, I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going to go with uh, Jill Valentine Ooh. from Resident Evil. I think she is a more interesting character out of all the players. I mean, I guess Ethan from the new last two new ones is an interesting character. But I feel like she's far more interesting than like Leon or... 
uh, uh what the what the Chris like if I were maybe Wesker's more interesting than everyone else in that series but I didn't want to pick a villain I guess uh and you know those games are great it's you know somewhat a government some person just trying to you know hey figure out what's wrong with this one area and then just shoot some uh, not zombies because they're not zombies guys it's my case I, I like the Resident Evil games <laughs> No, it's definitely a great franchise. That's a good pick. I think that's a really strong last round pick. I've never played Resident Evil, but we actually just talked about this. Yeah, like, we have, the we one did. character I do know from Resident Evil is Jill Valentine. Like she's probably, you know, maybe because of other games and stuff, but her and Leon, I would say, are the ones I know, and she's obviously pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Does your mom know who Jill Valentine is? That's my mom doesn't. My mom doesn't know any of the people I picked. Well, I was talking to Joe Brown because that's oh, his barometer for everything. But does Ted's mom know Pikachu? Probably not. My mom forgets a lot of things. I think your mom knows. Pikachu. Yeah, I think I think you're not giving her enough credit. I think she knows who Pikachu. Uh, I know my mom. She doesn't remember a whole lot. Listen, Ted or Perez and I have had many great conversations with your mom, and we talk about Pikachu and, <laughs> and Sonic, and specifically not. Yakuza. We we bring up that we don't talk about Yakuza in the conversations. So that's the first thing we bring that's up. That's the first thing you say before we start. We can't yeah. talk about Yakuza. Okay. But no, she Yakuza. brings that up actually. Yeah. She's the one. She she's like, hey guys, my mom doesn't even know those games exist. <laughs> she's like, Judge John, great to hear from you. But listen, look, my mom doesn't even watch my own videos. Thank God. Yeah. What do you mean, thank God? <laughs> what do you, mean, you want her watch those? Yeah. I can't want I, the support I mean, of my mom. Some, you say some things in there that I know if my mom was watching and it was me, she would definitely get, you know have some like. What you don't think my mom should watch a video in which I call her a dumb idiot for being a dumb and an idiot? Well, you say your sister was a war criminal. No, I said she's not a war criminal. You stupid. Well, she went to school with war criminals. Yeah, a bunch of Ivy League. If you look at the people who like. Perpetuate the war. Uh, well, let's not get into this. Yeah, let's yeah. <laughs> let's 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 just skip past this. But either way, biggest thing that uh, that Ted's mom brings up: no yakuza talk. No, no yakuza talk. <laughs> All right, here's the Mr. Irrelevant, but he is number one in my heart. Last pick of the draft. It's obvious. It's Spyro the Dragon. Yeah. Um, and I yes. always defend him. I think it's one of the best PlayStation One games out there. The trilogy was fantastic. Um, the creators were so great at Insomniac. Uh, they created Ratchet and Clank afterwards too, which was also another great franchise. But yeah, Spyro was cool. Like Spyro was a like a cool Sonic, you know, like in that realm of, you know, there are other games out there that could be seen as kitty games or whatever. Spyro was edgy. He was an underdog. He had a chip on his shoulder. Um, I know the first Spyro game front and back, like it's like it's a world that I live in. Ripto's Rage was very good. And then uh, Enter the Dragon was okay, number, the third one. And then afterwards just fell off fell off a map. But just for me, PlayStation 1 Spyro, uh, I'm going to go with that as my final pick. Uh, great game, still holds up today. We bought the re- reimagined version. I've beat it at least three times already. Uh, and we'll probably do so again by the end of the summer. I can play that game forever. Uh, love Spyro. Love his edginess. And yeah, he was, that was my favorite game as a kid and still is. So I'm going with Spyro. 
I would have been very upset if you didn't pick Spyro. Yeah. To be honest. Like, yeah. that's all. That's why, you know, I, I don't think he wouldn't have made my list anyway, but I was like, all right, I'm not even going to touch it because that's, that's Perez. It's like, you're like, you're like the Patriots with Mac Jones. You just had the confidence. You knew no one else was taking Spyro or Mac <laughs> Jones. So you didn't need to trade up to get him. You knew you were going to get who you wanted. No, I'm pretty happy with my team. I think it's a pretty diverse set of games. I got three number one, one picks overall. So I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, and then two of my favorites. So I'm happy with that. Um, Look, you just some, gave me an avenue to talk about games. So uh, I wanted people to play different games that a lot of people don't play. That's that was true. my goal. That's your, you're the big influencer here. All right. So some notable um, honorable mentions. I'll go first. Um, no Crash Bandicoot. No John Marston and no Cloud from Final Fantasy. Cloud was on my list. I, I was okay. so I was stuck between Kratos, Cloud, and Samus from Metroid because if I would have chose Samus if I had got Master Chief, because then I would have made like a whole space themed team about it with you know Pikachu and three people from space and, and Sora who's who's probably been to space at this point. So I thought it would have been thematic, but yeah, I think Cloud Cloud's probably the biggest like glaring omission on this list i would i never played final fantasy 7 so i feel like just for me to pick it would have been disingenuous i'm so i'm waiting for the remake to come to to pc and then i'll play the games you know both original and the remake before i I think another thing too that for the general public they need to stop confusing like for instance everyone thinks that frankenstein is the monster when in fact it's the monster and dr frankenstein two different people link is not zelda and link could have also been in this draft as well if we would have had 10 picks maybe he makes my list um but link also another great character i didn't go with like characters that are like huge mascots yeah like i think the closest one would probably be snake right i would say snake yeah the other one, did you know that um, when we were looking, both are reading that same Esquire article, and I was looking at different things, and Laura Croft is in the Guinness uh, Book of World Records for, I, she's like, it's something like she's been on more magazine covers than any supermodel ever, or something was the statistic. Mm-hmm. Like, the, any individual supermodel, however times Tyra Banks has been on a magazine cover or whatever. Uh, Laura Croft has been on a cover more than any supermodel, and she's the most, they say she's the most recognizable female video game character in the world. Well, yeah, well, now print media is dead, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just, I'll just say, she's also. I yeah, uh, yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, I had her on my list, too. Uh, I had Especially a, the remakes, like on the, you know, they're good. Yeah. From, those games are very good. And she, like, if it, she dies in such gruesome ways in those games that like i'm still think i still think about it to this day i played those in college and it's like oh i just feel so bad for laura she she, she goes through so much on those adventures uh i had the uh antag- the antagonist from portal 2 cave johnson he is a an eccentric guy you only really know him through like a disembodied voice log you hear as you're Going through level by level, he's the guy who says, if life gives you lemon, get them back. You didn't ask for damn lemons. Make <laughs> you like build your own life, things like that. I had Conquer from Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Day. Nice. Like he was like the, and then I had Rissetti from uh, Animal Crossing. Yes, I love it. Because you know what? With the new one, with New Horizons, people are cheating just a little too much for my liking. Yeah, and we Rissetti. need Rissetti to get these people straight. Yeah. 
I, I wanted to put Banjo, Banjo-Kazooie or Crash, but I just couldn't justify it, you know? Yeah. I had Beautiful Joe because I just really like the Beautiful Joe games. Surprising that Tetris did not make it, one of the blocks. There's, there's no characters from Tetris. Character. There's no characters in Tetris. The game is the character. The music, That's right. the blocks. The uh, Alexei Pashitnov's the char- main character of Tetris. Thank you very much. Oh, and one more. Um, this is the character that I forgot to bring up um, for Judge. Uh, Pokemon, other character, Red, potentially. That's could, have been, point, yeah. could have been on a list. Very, very quiet. Oh, uh, if it was up to hit a judge, he would have picked Sabrina. I do. No, I would have chose Cynthia probably because she's oh, yeah. the best. She's the best champion ever. It's inarguable. And she's. Oh, uh, what do you mean? Leon never lost until you showed up. So. Yeah. Well, he also uses a Charizard, who's not in this. Is not in the Gala regional deck. So he's literally cheating to be champion. So. Yeah, but Charizard's also the greatest Pokemon ever. So. Yeah, but he's not he's not following the rules. It's like he's like a heel. Is that is that a rule? Just like in, well, in when the... we play VGC, you play the regional format that in Charizard is not in the Gala region. That's why Blastoise and Venusaur were not in the game until the DLC came out. No, but you're forgetting the rule where he's grandfathered in. Yeah. Because if uh, you're a legendary see, Pokemon, that's what a bad guy like would do. That's what a bad guy would do. He would <laughs> right. make his own rule to give himself an advantage. Right. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's true. If you're not first, you're last. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorite lines ever. All right, so that'll do it. This is a long one. I'm not going to divide it into two. So wherever you're listening to this, at the gym, in the car, wherever, um, you've got about two hours of content here. So hope you all enjoy it. Uh, Ted, that's jo- only that's only uh, an hour longer than my longest video. There you go. And this one doesn't have any video in it. Yeah. This will be easy to edit for me. Guys, always a pleasure. Thanks for doing this.